What's your selling approach like? Are you selling in a way that your customers want to be sold to? From our research, only 10% of salespeople sell in a way that customers want. But what do customers want when they're being sold to? It's no secret that here at Consalia, we've embedded the sales values and mindsets that customers want to see in salespeople into everything we do, from our sales business school through to our sales transformation offering. We found that the key sales mindsets that you need to have are, first of all, authenticity and client centricity. These are the foundation blocks that every salesperson should have. It's the ability for a salesperson to be one's true self with the customer and putting them at the heart of all their sales activity. And proactive creativity and tactful audacity are the differentiators. These are the main values that will set apart one salesperson from the rest. It's the potential to come up with new ideas that customers have not thought of themselves, as well as the art of knowing how far to go without going too far. So how do you know whether or not you've got them? We have a very simple mindset survey to see if you possess these key values. It's really straightforward to use, will only take a few minutes to complete, and you'll be sent your results straight after. You may be just a bit surprised at the results yourself. Check out the show notes at the end of this podcast episode. What you do with the results next is your choice. We're happy to dive deeper into these results to discuss what they mean or even explore the idea of finding out if your customers see these key values in your approach. If you would like to learn more about the sales mindsets, get a copy of my latest book, Selling Transformed. It's available on Amazon and at Waterstones and Foils, where we go deeper into the topic. There will be links to both the book and the mindset survey in the show notes. Now let's get on with the episode. I'm super excited to introduce the next guest of the Sales Transformation podcast to you. His name is Offer Zilberman, and I first met Offer when he was working in the sales operations team at SAP. He's now um, Senior Director for Business Insights and Productivity for ServiceNow. Um, Offer's one of these people that you occasionally meet who has a complete genius for mathematics and combining his interest in mathematics and algorithms to the world of sales means that he occupies a very special position in the whole area of sales analytics. Um, It's a topic that I'm really interested in, um, in the sense of, um, you know, how can we make sales better leverage the technology that exists to predict um, future sales revenues. It's it's always been a, a challenge uh, for organizations to manage this aspect of sales. And I would venture to say that Off is one of the world's leading experts in this particular area. Okay, so um, Offer, first of all, a huge thanks for joining us on the Sales Transformation podcast series. I was trying to think uh, when it was that we first met, and I think we've concluded that it was probably 2011. So I've known yeah. you now for about about 10 years. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but before we we talk about, you know, perhaps a little bit about how we met, um, it would be great for the listeners to know a little bit about you and your background. Sure. So I wonder if you could share with us that. Yeah, so my name is Ofra Zilberman. I, uh, if you don't guess the accent, I am uh, originally uh, from Israel, 
and I uh, came over to UK at around 2002, so I'm good 19 years here, give or take. Uh, spent a little time in uh, California for a year and uh, relocated uh, generally with the company I joined back then in Israel, but uh, since then I worked also for SAP, uh, Convolt and ServiceNow in the past uh, almost five years. And uh, it's been, uh, you know, maybe the thing you want to, you need to know about it, about me is that, uh, yeah, I've been to the army and it might show a little bit, four years, been an officer there. So if that comes through, apologies in advance. And um, also uh, that in Israel, you know, I, I, I attended uh, what's called, uh, without sounding, sounding too pretentious, the MIT of Israel, it's a Technion uh, where I specialized in uh, uh, a combined curriculum of uh, computer sciences and industrial engineering, uh, kind of leading information system engineering uh, as, as kind of my degree. And uh, throughout my career, um, I, I, maybe except for the beginning where I was a little bit more techy, I, I spent my time uh, in various roles in sales, sales operations, um, never carrying a bag, but being extremely close to sales leadership, being ex extremely close to uh, sales management and to salespeople, and kind of uh, always being fascinated with what works and what doesn't as it comes to sales. Because uh, in my uh, very processed head, um i i do believe any anything can be processed and uh, it's been a challenge for me uh, a career long challenge to uh, to try and figure this one out yes i think um i think it's always uh, it's always an interesting question is sales an art or a science and i get the i get the impression that you're leaning more to the science of of selling in in your particular disciplines and looking at data in particular and i must admit that that struck me when i first met you uh back in 2011 that your your grasp of the of the data that relates to sales was amazing and i i think since those days and now having had over the last three or four months i would say um much more you know i think we've had some very interesting questions you know conversations about data and sales and predictability and i'm i'm incredibly excited that um that we're able to um you know to have some of your insights on this particular podcast because i actually i actually believe offer that you're one of the very few people that certainly that i know that have such an incredible grasp of the data and i think the quest that you've been on to find the holy grail about what works and doesn't work in <laughs> sales, which is probably what you've been doing, um, is uh, is is incredible. It's incredibly important for the profession. It's the data and the actions that follow, right? It's if yeah, it doesn't give you that prescriptive uh, next step. Um, then it's information and, and what you do with the information. You just absorb it and, and then go about your day. So I'm, I'm about tending into actionable insights yeah. and sales. Yeah, I think that's, yeah, that's incredibly important. Um, and I, I think we, you know, that's an area that we 
we need to kind of explore about you know what you see as some of the challenges that you face when you when you show data and information and 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 how do you get those actionable in you know actions happening as a consequence of those um but let's let's start off because i think it uh, i think we need to sort of define what the problem is really um um and I've my first question to you is where do you think sales management sort of get it wrong in your view? In uh, uh, specifically on the topic of predictability or in life? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, no, I think on the topic of predictability, or, other, or otherwise, we'll be on the call for a long time. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm, I don't want to sound like I'm picking on sales management. I think it's it's um, you know us humans, right? Um, we all uh, uh, experience uh, a pain from time to time, and then the the reaction we have to it is is sitting on a range of ah, it will go away by by itself, or you know I need to go to the doctor immediately. This is really dangerous. Um, so on the, on that range, um, there is that human behavior, uh, and and when you pepper it with a little bit of procrastination and and maybe prioritization, that's where uh, things can go wrong very quickly. So bringing it back to the business, um, you know, even in the most basic analytics, there are insights. And do we put or do we set aside the time to read those? Um, do we set aside the time to understand and uh, go to the doctor, uh, so to speak, um for the specific actions we need to take to remediate the situation it's really about um you know knowing um and and accepting that cells is predictable that it is uh there are patterns there are um ways we can fix things early on so and it's not um, um, a written, uh, pre-written and and engraved engraved in stone um, uh, path that we cannot do anything about. And I'm not saying again that everybody does that. There's a range on all on all of this, but as long as we uh, together tackle it, um, then there's definitely actions to be taken, even when uh, things go south. So from your point of view, um, you know, when you look at data, you know, things to you look blindingly obvious. But I think what you're saying is that when you present that data to, um, you know, sales managers, you know, sales leaders, is that, is that the way that they react to that data is on this scale, this range. Some, yes. some act on it immediately. They see the data, they believe in it, and they act on it. And other people simply see the data, which to you tells a blindingly obvious story about here's a problem here, or here's a way you can fix the problem or develop an opportunity, but actually they don't do anything with it. Correct. So my and, question and, to you, my yeah. question to you is this, what percentage of sales managers would you say act on data immediately? You know, how would you... How would you actually, 
on a on a scale and maybe you've already worked this out because you're into the analytics <laughs> yeah I, 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 it's really <laughs> it's hard to put a percentage that's an interesting survey maybe to be had i would just say that you know we we tend to think in 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 sales where we, we tend to go where it's easy right and the current quarter the very immediate things that we can do to try and, and push stuff in the current quarter it's it's and the actions we will take will have a more predictable outcome. And we tend to focus on the current, maybe next quarter, where, because it, it's just easy. What do you need to do in order to drive the business three, four quarters from now, or even the next financial years, what actions I need to take right now in order to drive that next financial year is a lot more ambiguous. So it's easier to see, even if some dashboard is telling you you're on the wrong path, I, I, I don't know what I'm going to do to, to drive uh, Q4 of next year. So let's let's just focus on the current quarter. So yeah, putting percentage on it, you know, you, you can take what percentage of people go immediately to the doctor when something is wrong. I, I don't think that's very high. Yeah. Well, I, I think that we should look into this topic uh, on a on a future, you know, as a, you know, on a future opportunity because I think it would be quite quite interesting, um, quite interesting. But I like this. I you know, in a way, it's it's when you start to look at the um, um, Stephen Covey's quadrants, you're talking about urgent and important versus not important but urgent. I think what you're saying is that when it comes to data. Um, we're much more comfortable operating within the shorter term, urgent and important kind of items because we've got that that quarter end coming up and we know we need to drive for that quarter end. What we're not so good at doing is perhaps putting in the investment of time on things that will happen in Q3 and Q4, um, which, if we were to get right, would actually ultimately make it easier for us to kind of manage the business Absolutely. because we've invested. Yeah. So back to maybe your original question: Where do we get it wrong? It's uh, often I see that when you try to mix the current and now with the future on the same cadence. So we all know in sales we have those probably in everywhere weekly uh, forecast calls. And when you try to manage the pipeline or the future sales uh, and future growth on the back end of a, of a, a forecast call, that's, that's just doomed. Uh, forecast calls are quite, can be quite tough. You get to the end of the call and you talk two minutes about the future. It just um, folks will not give it the, the deserved attention. What I recommend is separating those cadences and having the focus call deserves its time. And then a future pipeline or future growth call is also deserves also deserves its time and it should be allocated and, and executed, maybe not on a weekly basis, but definitely on a monthly or bi-weekly basis, depending what your dashboards are saying and how the business is going. But it's it's a separate conversation at any level of the organization, just like focus yeah. call happens at every level of, of the organization. It's not just a leadership call. It's not just um, a, a first line manager call. At every level, you have to kind of look out at what's, what's going right, what's going wrong, and how do we move the business for the future?
So a lot of this is, yeah, I I think that's in itself a really interesting area. And again, it's a topic, I think, of of perhaps some more research, how much of sales managers' time is spent on Q3, Q4, you know, or rolling Q3, Q4 kind of activities versus Q1, Q2. Um, And I'm not sure if that... um, kind of Gartner research type data has been uh, sort of explored or looked at. But I, th- I think that's that's in itself a very interesting um, area of future investigation. So I want to come back to mindset because, um, you know, you're talking about people's reaction to data and on that scale of procrastination, complacency versus acting. Um, what do you think is the right mindset then when it comes to looking at predictive analytics, how could you, you know, what what for you is the sort of perfect mindset? That's a, you know, that's a great question because um, data can be overwhelming, and um, when there's a, you presented many people when presented with a lot of data, they're they're, you know, you you, you almost cannot sound wrong by blurting out the sentence analysis paralysis, right? You all sound very smart. Oh, you're serving up too much data. I can't can't handle that. Um, And it's a very real life problem. However, I want to use an analogy from real life, um, from the aviation industry. You know, we we all went uh, past the cockpit. Okay, we are in pandemic times. Cockpit seems very far away right now, but uh, hopefully we're we're coming back out of it. And um, you know, when we disembark or, or, or board an airplane, we see that uh, you know we admire that. Or at least for me, I admire that that pan glass pan of of, of buttons and indicators and gauges that. Uh, um, a pilot needs to look at, and they also have that pre-flight checkbooks and and intensive training. So you you kind of feel you want to feel good when you pass that uh, cockpit and say, yeah, they know what they're doing. They know where how to take us up in the air and back down on the ground at the destination safely. Um, so we all intelligently understand that the pilot cannot fly an airplane uh, only on an altitude meter, right? Uh, and neither him or the co-pilot, um, you know, can distract themselves together from the, from the flight boat. Even when the autopilot is on, there's always someone uh, awake and watching and, and making sure everything is happening. Uh, um, and and the flight is uh, safe. However, what about air traffic control? Do they need to see uh, the cockpit of each airplane on the radar screen? They don't. It's too much information. They probably need only that uh, altitude meter and and kind of flight path to make sure there's no collisions happening in 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 midair. And if we go back to the cockpit, does the pilot need to know? Um, what oil was used in the jet engine, or is that just the job of the engineer? We all intuitively think, no, probably doesn't need to know. It just needs a light bulb that says engine is okay, green, yellow, there's a problem. I need to call someone, right? So um, what I'm saying is 
that um, analytics needs to be served at uh, the right level and at a, a consumable rate. There's no, no question about that. Um, however, consumable, consumable is not detected uh, by the ability of uh, a specific person to absorb data. It's detected, uh, dictated by the requirement uh, to ensure safe and smooth execution, right? So you don't want to tailor the, the, the dashboard of a pilot, the cockpit to uh, a certain pilot's ability. You just say, this is what you need to be able to absorb if you want to be a pilot. And that's how it works. And I think that uh, notion uh, is very um, um, transferable to sales where um, leadership, uh, especially sales leadership, um, th th there's no excuses um, anymore with uh, predictive analytics for missing that mountain because it's foggy. It's, it's, it's there. And if you cannot read it or, or you cannot um, have the, or you don't have the time, you need to have that co-pilot right next to you that can read it and can bring it up to your attention. And your door is open for that co-pilot. So together you fly the airplane, you um, deliver on uh, the, the number that you need to deliver. And um, you know, if, if, if you cannot be in that pilot seat, you know, maybe you shouldn't. That's that's kind of the mindset I'm I'm looking for people to understand that um, obviously given the right amount of data they need to absorb this data and if the organization deemed that this this is the set of data that you need to run on in order to run your business then you need to make the time to absorb this data or again have someone who kind of tells you all the managed by exception, where things go wrong and where we need to go next. So Offer, I wonder if I could ask a, um, a question. So in businesses, you have sometimes quite uh, a variety of different products and solutions that need to be sold. Um, is it your experience that, that each of those products and solutions may require their own little dashboard to kind of determine whether or not the right things are being done, you know, to sell that solution over periods of time? Um, or do you do you feel that there are some sort of common themes that you could apply across all solution sets that are being sold? Or is that difficult for you to answer? No, it's it's actually a very straight uh, forward answer. And the 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 answer is that the dimensions we measure across solutions should be the same. However, the um, execution levels we ask for every solution may be um, customized and tailored for that solution. What I'm saying is that if you have a company that has, for example, a core product, the bread and butter that they drive and they sell, and now they're trying to diversify, into um, additional solutions, additional products, additional markets, additional industries, um, the, the uh, metrics that apply to the uh, uh, bread and butter might not, um, from an execution level perspective, apply to, the, to their emer emerging products. However, it's the same metrics. How much pipeline do I need to sell my bread and butter? 
if I'm known in the market for that solution, um, uh, 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 the, my, my persona, my buying persona at the customer side might not um, even consider um, running um, a selection campaign without putting me uh, in one of the seats. They may not so select me, but I'm already past some, some qualification levels um, right from out of the gate. I don't need to go and, and, and say, hey, you have to look at me because I'm doing this really right. However, if I have an emerging product, I might not be known at all in the market for, for that product. Therefore, the, the pipeline, the sales pipeline I need to run, it's going to be much higher and much follow, big, higher follow, fallout rate out of that pipeline um, in order to make the number that I'm aspiring to diversify into. So, yeah, it's not one size fits all. And what I've seen, um, especially I come from the software um, sales world, where I've seen it's going wrong, it's, it's applying that peanut butter, right? The 3x or the 4x or whatever, whatever x um, that um, um, sales management assigned to everyone, they think they're making it simple. But when it gets to the field and they look at the bread and butter um, product and they need to cover it uh, at 4x, it's sometimes a challenge just because of market share, right? If you captured a lot of market share for that product, it's a, it's, it's a problem to get to 4x. Right. So could I just, um, for the benefit of some listeners who may not understand some of the terminology, could you just explain 3x and 4x? Just... Yeah. So, um, you know, the, you need to make a number. It's called the number x um, that you need to hit a million. The question becomes how much, how many balls do you need to have in the air in order to get to the finish line with that um, number that you need to make? Do you need a pipeline of 2 million, 3 million, 4 million? That's the uh, multipliers over the number that you have set yourself as a goal um, at, at an end of a certain financial period. So I was quite interested when we've been having some conversations about this, where let's say we have a target of a million at the end of the year, you know, to reach. Um, it's when in the year do you need to have that amount of pipeline uh, in order to hit that target? And it was quite interesting that your observations of some of the data analysis work that you've done is that you can pretty well predict what the end year performance is based on your knowledge of what's in the pipeline much earlier in the year. So I, I wonder if you could just sort of share, share with us a little bit your thinking about that. Yeah, so, um, you know, we have CRM systems and folks uh, uh, manage opportunities in the CRM systems, whether they're short term, long term, as a whole um, um, set of data being input into, into the CRM system. And um, I'd observed that even, you know, we're asking sales management, typically ask for pipeline, right? We all know we can't just run really thin on, on the transactions we believe uh, um, that's going to close because there's surprises that well, are well beyond our reach and we are at a period in time where that exactly happens, right? The COVID and, and whatnot, but you don't need COVID to, to get nasty surprises. Uh, it, it could be a 
a new persona coming on board your one of your clients or prospects that um, kind of puts everything on hold and says I need to understand the uh, the the new the, the new picture before I make any buying decisions and and you've done everything right and you were on path but now there's a new uh, boss in town and they they need some something uh, uh, they need the, their own lens on things so and, and I'm sure if if sales folks are listening to us they they know all the things that can ro- go wrong so you can't just run on one um, uh, transactions or two you have to manage a portfolio of transactions with um, different levels of maturity now I've, uh, I had observed that um, there is always um, obviously a peak point at some point the, the the sum of your transactions add up to a peak point of uh, where you are projecting for all those transactions to close in a certain financial period and when you try to see if that peak point is consistent in relation to where you end up then um, that gives you a really strong indication to how much you need to have in play so to speak um, in order to uh, make your number so if for example every uh, pick point you get to kind of two times of where you end up if you closed a million and at your peak you have been uh, two million then um, and, and that is repetitive then you know that if you next year need to do a million and a half then your pick point should be three. And I'm a little bit simplifying it. However, it's not that much more complicated um, than in trying to understand how much pipeline on how much you have to have in play in order to hit a number. And how confident do you offer? Because I think this, 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 this area of predictability is key. You know, we, we talk about the agile world in which we're living and the unpredictability of world events and the things that sales directors are so um you know we ne- we don't like surprises we like to know you know are we on track so how how confident are you with the science of looking at data that you can actually you know be able to you know look look people in the eye and say give or take X, this is where you'll end up given the information that I've now got from you and what's in the pipeline? I would go uh, conservatively, I would say 90%, but um, I had proven to be 95% accurate uh, with things going wrong. Um, I would say even seven months out, or, or even seven to twelve months out, uh, and and that's what amazes me. I mean, I think anything I say uh, is kind of common sense, right? You need to have pipeline. You need to have a certain profile of pipeline. You need to have, you know, if your product is mature, you don't need that much pipeline. If your product is fairly new, you need a lot more pipeline. That's, those are those are not things that would surprise anyone it's like what, what what's the news it's it's common sense right a rare sales rep with no pipeline will not perform as the same as a sales rep with lots of transactions in play however what's really 
sort of even caught me by surprise is how predictable it is, how measurable it is, how repetitive it is. In uh, obviously, the more data you have, the more uh, the less uh, fluctuations uh, that uh, you that will occur. I can't say a company with three people will have that that level of uh, um, accuracy, perhaps. But certainly, when you get to the t dozens, and and certainly when you get to the hundreds of cells uh, uh, of uh, people in a, in an organization, and you drive a few elements right then you know, the, the, the goodness starts coming out from the data and it's astonishing how, how predictable, how measurable, and if it's predictable and measurable, and it's predictable and measurable in advance, way in advance, then it's also actionable because you know you're heading in the wrong direction and you can still correct course. Yes, I'd love, love to talk about actionable ideas perhaps a little bit later on, but I'd like to come back to some of the key things that you feel organizations need to be measuring. You know, given that different product lines might require different actions because of the maturity of the, uh, sorry, different solutions may be more mature than others. Therefore, you need less of something because you, You've got history there. You've got a brand that's well known. But what for you are the key things that 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 sales managers need to be managing in order to better predict what their performance will be from their sales team? So you know, I I, I played Monopoly with my kids uh, over the weekend, right? And when uh, and we haven't played for a long time. So we needed a little refresher. So you open the instructions and they start, you know, there's the setup, right? And then uh, there's the plays you are allowed to do. And this is what winning is. So um, before I, I would go to the nitty gritty, you know, we intu intuitively understand that it's not just about volume of uh, pipeline that you need, uh, but it's, it, there's, there's more elements there. Uh, you know, I would start with uh, simple things such as okay, f first you make sh you need to make sure that everybody's using the CRM system because if um, there is inconsistency in in your organization um, in in how you broach the the CRM topic, then you know you, you don't know what you're looking at. The data can be uh, very misleading. Um, you need to have a simple, though granular enough, opportunity management process. So you're asking sales folks uh, and the folks that um, surround the sales folks to, to capture data. And you want to make sure that data is relevant. But how much is the right amount of data? Um, and, and I would say... The right amount of data is when you make sure that any element you capture has a really good process downstream that consumes it. Then it's worthwhile catching it, capturing it. Other than other, uh, otherwise, it's it's completely um, useless. And um, an element, another element that um, is, I think, maybe the hardest is. Um, linking uh, quota um, of salespeople to the um, 
market they're playing in rather than the opportunity they have already captured in the CRM system. So here's the thing. Um, I've seen it time and time again. And uh, pardon me, you know, when, when you ask again, back to the question, where do we get it wrong? It's when a sales guy puts, uh, um, plays by the rules, puts in the big opportunity that he sees in front of him um, and, and going for, for the gold and giving visibility. And then he gets penalized with a very high quota because we don't want to run uh, a very high commission cost, right? So um, that, that creates really bad publicity right, for giving visibility and playing by the rules. And everybody are caving. They are hoarding the opportunities. They're running spreadsheets and emails rather than putting it in the system because they are concerned, frankly, that, you know, you motivate people by over-attaining on quota. Why should I get that high quota because I'm, I'm playing by the rules? So what's the flip side of this? You know, it's, it's changing the conversation. We're going to give you a rich quality, uh, territory Therefore, you're going to get a high quota or we'll, you know, or, or we vary the quota based on, on the market that you're looking at, on the serviceable market that um, you can reach to, not based on specific opportunity you just found out and you put into the system. And, and those quotas should have guidelines and, and, and goalposts uh, that you, they vary, but they do not vary you know, they vary by the role, by the maybe segment you're operating in, but not, again, by uh, the opportunity that uh, you may have mm. found. And here's the thing, uh, allowing people to um, show visibility. You know, I, I, I can't tell you how many times, and also being in the sales operations role, um, people come to me and say, hey, this guy's going to finish his annual number in Q1. How come you're giving him just you know, just the number, right? He's, he's, he's going to nail it in Q1 and he's overachieving for the rest of the year. Commission costs will go through the roof and, um, you know, he's, he's over-attaining. I said, what's the problem then? Mm. He's got, you always have folks who will over-attain. That's the best publicity for good behavior, right? Showing that his, um, good behavior gets rewarded and it projects internally for everyone to say, well, you know what, this organization is treating me in a fair way. It will reduce attrition. It will encourage people to uh, put all the cards and understand that the bigger picture is more important than uh, one, one, one person's uh, commission check. Um, so th this is kind of, I'm getting a bit lengthy, but that's the, 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 the setup that you want for uh, to, 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 before you start playing. Um, so the, can yeah. I just summarize? So there's a couple of important things you've mentioned here. One is this notion of how you set quota, which is to do with make it sort of market orientated, not opportunity orientated. Yes. Um, and so some people therefore may have higher quotas than others because they're in a market where there's there's more opportunities, let's say, you know, there, there, there's more chance of them going for more. So set the benchmark quite high. Um, the other thing that you've mentioned that that's really important is this idea of commissionable 
sales and and don't don't penalize salespeople for overachieving quota through the way you might look at commission because yeah. you you want people to have the right behavior and some people if they have a fantastic year and they overachieve yes they'll end up with a big paycheck yeah there'll be others that don't that's achieve a wonderful quota. problem yeah <laughs> That's right. So you're saying that's a good problem to have, not a bad problem to have. Yeah. And you want to celebrate it in a way exactly. because it'll encourage a behavior that will lead to, um, you know, overachievement, let's say. It's it's an interesting concept. I was, I was um, kind of interested in some of the conversations we've had in the way that you're able to look at, at data and you see, um, you know, if you take you know, X hundred salespeople, you, you can see, you know, you can start to measure or you can start to look at data that shows where they currently are in the year in the, in sort of quadrants, I think you had them. And you have clusters and you've got sales directors, sales leaders who want to achieve a certain target, you know, by the end of the year, maybe a certain growth target. And, and um, when you look at the data, um, when you look at the data, you are saying, well, actually, we could achieve the target just by focusing on how do we get these slightly underperforming salespeople? You know, what programs can we help drive more pipeline there? Um, and, 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 and you know, statistically, that that's going to lead to, you know, great results later on versus the sort of maybe a more blanket uh, approach where leaders may say, well, we need to achieve this amount of growth. Let's give everyone this sort of increase in pipeline target in order to get, get us there. I wonder if you could uh -huh. probably better explain what I've explained there, because to me, that's, <laughs> that's so yeah. important. You know, that's yeah, such an important the concept. Is the, vi the visual I used is it's not proprietary, right? That I, I learned it in, in SAP, right? We, yeah. we yeah. plot the sales reps on, on some kind of chart. And, yeah. Um, yeah. This, again, the ones with uh, with the with the higher coverage, on average, attained forty to fifty percent more on the number than the ones with the lower coverage. Now, again, that's hardly a surprise because the, yeah, those folks who have high coverage um, will have better opportunity to attain the number. So what's the news? Um, the sales, sales folks or sales management used to tell me, what, what, what are you, you know, what, what are you delivering here? And I said, there's a couple of surprises. I, 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 I first, uh, I, I will give you it. First, in, in terms of the data you're looking at, if there's no news here for you, why these bunch of folks are to the left of the red line and they're there for over six months? What, what's going on with those folks? Because we know they're going to underperform and nothing is happening with them. So being in the red is not bad, but being in the red and staying in the red and not progressing out of the red sustainably, that's where I think things go wrong. And you are says management. If you tell me I'm stating the obvious, well, I'm stating the obvious to you. You are not doing anything about those folks because there's no reviews. Those folks are not moving from the predicament of low performance. So that's one thing. 
but what was even again uh not a surprise that it happens but is a surprise how measurable 95 percent of the folks that were in the depressed corner of that uh chart um and it doesn't really matter what chart you're using as long as you plot all your salespeople and take uh, the, the the same measurement 95 percent of those folks um that left the company were from that red zone now mm. when you look at the names behind yeah some of them never got it they we wanted them to leave uh they did us a favor especially if they're located where uh, labor markets were complicated to replace. Mm. Um, but um, some of those folks, we didn't want them to leave. They actually the cost, um, at the time we cost um, a, a, an attrition of a sales guy above a million bucks hit for the company, right? And that is unwanted attrition and that un the writing was on the wall that this guy although he's a high performer he kind of emptied his coffers didn't refill them and he's sitting in at a risk it doesn't mean he will leave but when 95 percent of your levers come from there you better pay attention well i think this leads us on to this actionable um uh, planning that's linked with data that you mentioned right at the very beginning um, this yeah. is where your real um i think passion is is how do you produce data in a way that people will act on it and react on it so could you could you share with me your thoughts on on that and where you you know give some examples perhaps of how actions can come from the kind of data that you provide and then perhaps we can talk a little bit about to what extent do you see people acting on data and are there any cultural right. differences according to different countries? Because I know you operate on a global basis in the work that you do. So, yeah. So, you know, what is super important um, is that when the insight uh, comes in, and when we say insight is is kind of something that bubbles bubbles up that. Um, tells you there's a yellow light or red light on your dashboard, on your cockpit, and, and says something is going wrong here and you need to do something. Um, doing what you're doing is not working, right? And we all know the saying, if you're uh, doing what you're doing and you expect a different outcome, um, you're probably, um, um, you know, you're, you're setting yourself up for failure. You You, you just can't keep on doing or doing more of what you're doing. You got to come with it right, lift, right field or left field and, and uh, be intentional about it, plan the action um, and action the plan. It sounds very, um, you know, it is, it is um, super important um, to make sure that whatever you decide to do, um, is uh, moving the business. I've seen uh, time and time again, I remember um, a specific pipeline call where the geo lead um, 
we, we, we have done the inside said we have a, a maturity problem in uh, one of our business units. Uh, maturity in terms of pipeline maturity, right? It's all very unqualified. It needs to be progressed, um, and uh, we have to um, to do something about it. Um, the guy who was responsible for that business unit said, "Okay, let me let me tackle this one. I'll meet you in one month, and I'll tell you what we found out." A month passes. Uh, we we come again to uh, uh, the pipeline call and the geo lead look, we looks at the at the dashboard and maturity problem is solved. Uh, it's no longer an issue, and we're asking the leader, "What did you do?" Right? That's that's quite remarkable. Within a month, you know, it's as far as pipeline goes, you don't expect uh, a short term action to uh, move the needle that much. And uh, the leader says, oh, we reviewed all the opportunities and, and they were all set in the wrong stage. So we fixed the stage uh, of these opportunities and now look at it. It's beautiful. And the geo leads look at him and, and says, wait a minute. Uh, did you actually move the business or just move the metrics? And that's a, a honey trap. Many uh, folks kind of... Uh, get caught in, right? Moving the metrics. It's so easy to go to the system and make the system look right. And you fix the problem and the, the, the red or the yellow turns into green and everybody's off your back. And um, as far as actionability, I think you should, as a manager, have a point of view and say, you know what, that's wrong and I'm doing something about it. Leave the dashboards. Talk, take your folks, take all the folks that surround your surround and support you in your business, not just salespeople, whether it's marketing, partners, alliances, if you have solution sales, overlays, uh, develop, business development reps, whomever, get a plan, describe the, the issue, get a plan together, and go and execute the hell out of that plan, rather than trying to fix a green line and when you come a month from now and it's still red and you come and say this is my plan let me present to you that that's what we're going to do and you come a month later and it's become a yellowish but still red and but there is progress you move the needle that means that the plan is working and you want to go and you intentionally let the kpis fix themselves you work on the business you devise the plan that will move your business in the right direction. And you come left field and right field, as I said. It's not just, let's continue and just pay it more attention to uh, the maturity stages of, of opportunities. It's what do we need to do? Who needs to talk to this client? Do I need to fly in a, a high level or a C-level executive to, to meet with this client? Do I need to invite him to uh, some, uh, some event that we're running, some CIO roundtable, some uh, sem webinar or seminar or roadshow that I know is going to attend and drive, drive him to, to, to my booth? What, what is it that we need to do? Which personas we need to hit? Who didn't we talk to? What is it that winning opportunities uh, uh, we're doing it to win and we haven't done on this specific uh, set of opportunities yet. And that's how you really um, move the business 
and action the business rather than action the KPIs, so to speak. Yeah, I mean, some of the students that have gone through our master's programs have done some amazing work around coaching and coaching to what measures. Um, and um, if you've not listened to it, the, the, the podcast that we have uh, with Paul Devlin, who's an ex-analytics uh, guy, a bit like yourself, Offer, um, his story about how he's combined analytics with coaching and the performance improvement he's had from his sales teams has been staggering. Um, so a great believer. But I'm as you are talking, I'm just wondering how many how many companies out there feel confident that they've actually got the right analytics in place. You know the right. You know have they determined what their dashboard, their cockpit is, going back to the airport, you know, the aviation analogy. Because in a way, you can have great coaches, you know, doing great things. But if you don't have the base data uh, and understand the nuance of the data, you're missing, you're missing half the picture, so to speak. So there's, I'll give everyone who may be listening a, a, a tip, right? It's when things go wrong that we um, tend to do something or tend to feel, oh, uh, how did that happen, right? And every time, uh, you know, things can go wrong. I'm not saying where where I'm at right now, do everybody follow the process and everybody religiously uh, adhere to the plan? No, because again, there's a range of humans. There's a reason why we have turnaround in, 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 in sales leadership and, and in sales in general. And um, when any, when whenever a thing something goes wrong, I, I I make a point to kind of again not to say I told you so, to say the dashboard told you so. So I I say we missed the number on this one badly, and I have an example, you know, very very specific example for missing in 2020 on a specific product in the company I work for now, and. Um, I show slides and highlights and lowlights and dashboard screenshots from as lo as early as January of 2020. And again, it's not COVID related. It has nothing to do with COVID on, or the crisis we've been through. It's specifically the, the insights show that there is an issue and the issue is festering. And I, I repeat that um, theme and say, that's where we need to pay attention. And nothing was done and and we failed mm. so if you're experienced failure whether it's small one big one or, or specific area if your current glass pane that you look at you look at the snapshots of the past and it didn't tell you what's that it's coming then you know your your airplane radar screen is is not working your altitude meter is not working your your you know, the light bulbs are not coming up. Yeah, I think the aviation analogy is such a good one. And the other great thing about aviation are their attitudes to failure. And they, they, they don't have a blame culture. You know, they don't have it. But, but, but in the medical profession, they do. They hide the stats in the medical culture. 
yeah, the medical culture is life and well, they're both life and death, aren't they? But it's <laughs> it's very interesting. In aviation, if there's a problem, they want to get all the data and fix it so it doesn't happen again. And yes. so maybe sales is quite a long way from the aviation sector. And maybe that's where we need to kind of head. Maybe we need to keep this analogy pretty strong. It, it, uh, I feel sorry for interrupting, but I think you bring an excellent point because back to CRM systems and what we capture in CRM systems, um, there's often the notion that I'm only going to put stuff in that I know will happen. And that's not the right attitude. Um, the attitude should be, I want to give visibility to everything that is in play. That's what we're asking when we talk about pipeline. We know if we tell you 2x, 3x, you need to run a higher no uh, number of opportunities than what's actually going to close. We know by definition that some will fall out or slip or we lose. We, we that's the game. That's the the game, right? But um, putting not too much, but not too little, right? If I have an idea, I'm going to sell something to someone, but that's someone I never spoke to. That's not really an opportunity. You know, many 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 times I get the question, "What's an opportunity? When when does a lead become an opportunity?" And for me, the intuitive. Uh, most catchy way when I talk to sales folks is like when you are in play, when the the client and you agree to go together on a sales campaign, because you might send out a filler uh, with the double mm -hmm. E, right? And and that client comes back and you think, hmm, that's a 20, 30K opportunity and your organization average deal size is half a million. And 20K, 30K sometimes might be just as much work as that half a million. So, you know what? I'll leave it to the channel. I'm not going to play in that in that court because it's not worth mm -hmm. my time, right? So it's not just the client uh, uh, willing to play. It's you willing to play. Once that two things happen, you go on a sales campaign. And back to your uh, losing analogy, don't let, it, let a good failure go to waste. We mm. want those failures so we can understand what went wrong and we don't repeat that mistake. There is no blame. There is no, um, you know, if you make the same mistake again and again, that's an issue. Right? Yeah. But making a mistake, correcting course, learning from it, that's a goldmine. So Offer, I think we're getting towards the allocated time for this call and I know we can talk about this a lot more and I'm sure we'll invite you back to do a few more sessions if you're happy to uh, invest the time. Um, but um, no, it's been an amazing session and a pleasure to talk to you today. Thanks to you, the listener, for joining. And as always, if you found this podcast useful, please do share it with someone that you feel would benefit from it. Thank you very much for taking part and we look forward to seeing you again on one of the future podcasts.